Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Discovery. Today, we're going to talk about Star Trek Picard Episode 8, Broken Pieces. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the tech historian himself, Carrie Brown. How you doing, man? Great. Good to be back. <laughs> Good to have you on, dude. Indeed. And I guess we're going to go down there to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, the heart of the Mississippi corona epidemic, uh, starting none other than the Stargate story and Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? I am doing good. And so far, corona free. Yay to that, sir. Yay to that. Also down there with you, we have the Trek story. Jonathan Shorts, how you doing, man? I am good, man. I decided to jump on the lawnmower today and get some grass cut and allergies just punched me in the face. So, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. My car is still green, so I need to wash that thing. (laughs) My car's covered in something. I'm colorblind, so it could be yellow or green. (laughs) I just know it's dangerous. Struggle is real. Like, I don't know what's worse. I'm, I'm avoiding coronavirus and pollen. Like, yeah, it's like a double whammy, man. That's double color. Whammy. Oh, gosh. And then you're, you're out in public somewhere, and for me, you sniff or sneeze, or, oh, uh, and everybody looks at you like you're going to kill them all. Yeah, not only that, you question yourself, like, oh, man, this pollen got my throat feeling funny. I'm, I'm, I'm a, uh. <laughs> but I'm good, man. I'm good. How about you? Doing great, man. Doing great. And also on the podcast, we have the Historian, Kyle Jones. How you doing, man? Awesome to be here. Glad to be here and ready to talk some Star Trek. Yeah, man. Awesome. Awesome. And as always, we thank each and every one of you for tuning into the podcast. But if you have feedback, we've been having a lot of people chime in on Twitter. And also we get fan mail into our, our email account. So if you want to discuss anything with us or talk about what we talk about, please hit us up at discussing Trek on any of the social medias. And also you can send an email to fans at discussing So we thank you guys for that. So um, I don't really have any news or updates, which I say a lot on here, but I do want to point out one YouTube video that I saw posted by this guy named Neo visual. I'm not sure if it's a guy or a production company. I'm not really sure, but anyway, um, he posts a video. I guess he's an Alex Kurtzman hater. <laughs> so uh, the title of the video is Alex Kurtzman ruins Star Trek Voyager. And it shows this very beautiful intro of of Captain Janeway making her speech about this long trip we have to get back home. Somewhere along this journey, we'll find a way back. Mr. Paris, set a course. For home. They pan to this image of the Voyager and it starts moving much like the USS Discovery and they are home, hence negating the series and everything for that show. So I thought it was pretty funny. I'll post a link in the show notes, but I'm throwing it out there to you guys. Like, do you have any news or anything related to Star Trek that you want to talk about? Um, I just saw a headline. I, I just read the article. It said Nico Martin Green, who played Michael Burnham in Star Trek Discovery, is expecting her second child now. They're expecting a girl. Oh, so awesome. you know, I'm sure we want to wish them well and a happy, healthy new baby. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, congratulations, Miss Green. 
Awesome. Yes. So. yes. <clears throat> and I would also just remind everybody, I did share the link of the Alex Kurtzman Ruins Voyager. I just shared that on Facebook for all of our listeners that follow our Facebook page. And also, if you guys maybe caught it and maybe not, um, Pete Buttigieg did host it uh, one of the late night series. I forget which one. Uh, but one of his guests uh, was Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, man. So they had a nice conversation about this and that, but a couple of things stood out I did not know. And honestly, I don't know how I didn't know that Sir Patrick Stewart was already married, uh, which he was married in 2013. And he told a funny story about he had a friend of his that was going to perform the ceremony, and they had planned to do it in Nevada. And then they realized the certification that this person had would not allow them to go across state lines. Interesting. So, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart invited everybody to a local Mexican restaurant in California, and that's where they did the ceremony. Really? Which is kind of outside the what you would assume the norm for him to be. So, uh, and that, and so he also told uh, Mayor Pete that he has known one president, two Joint Chiefs of Staff, and a Secretary of State that were avid trickies. Ah, I wonder who the president so, was. I don't know. I've tried to look that up. I didn't really get much from it, which I didn't spend a lot of time looking for it. So it'll be something interesting to find. The love for the trick is real, uh, man. The Secretary of State was Madeleine Albright. Hmm. I have a piece of news, too, that I brought. Let's let's hear it, man. I hope I'm not stumping on anybody else's news, but um, yesterday it was announced that the short tricks will be coming to Blu-ray and DVD. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. Awesome. It. So I wonder, are they going to do both seasons of Short Treks? It It lists all of them on StarTrek.com. It's going to have Coming of Age, Shall We Dance, First Contact, Kaminar, Covered in Mud, Incense Box, First Day, Here Comes Tribble, which was probably my favorite one, Score, Bedtime Stories, The Making of Short Treks, and Two Audio Commentaries. Is that all of them? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Since they're putting the first two seasons, this is, that's a good little nugget, man. I, I'm down for that completely. You know, I find it funny now that you know, since we have CBS All Access streaming, you know, you pay your monthly fee. If I, I find it funny that they're still selling the Blu-ray disc. But, you know, still, if you are a purist and you want in the best quality possible, you get the 4K Blu-ray and um, yeah, go to town with that. Yeah. Interesting. Blu-ray still reigns supreme, in my opinion, just because of bit rate. That's about it. I totally agree, man. I totally agree. I haven't touched the DVD in years. I haven't either. <laughs> it's, it's, been a while, it's been a while for me, to be honest, too. With the higher bandwidth now, it, it I mean, it's, it's a lot better than it used to be, like, quote unquote, 4K. Because, like, Amazon's 4K. I watch a show called The Grand Tour on Amazon in 4K, and it's excellent. So, I mean, it's there. It's close, but I still think Blu-ray has an edge. Slight, slightly. I'm splitting hairs, though. <laughs> Most of us are just lazy at this point. I know certainly for mm-hmm. myself speaking. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I I don't think I put any disc in my Xbox since I had it. Yeah, I don't, I, I've never really noticed a big difference between quality. Enough for me to tell. Like, I remember, and I'm sure Clarence and Carrie remember this, when we bought that big TV we had at Kimball. And you guys were introducing me to HD, which was a long time ago. And I think Clarence or Terry, one of y'all told me, like, 
watch this guy in the pinstripe suit. You can't see him in standard de- standard definition. You couldn't see the pinstripes. <laughs> in HD, you could. And I was like, man, that is freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite one is when somebody, uh, they get high def and then they're like, I can't tell the difference, but they're still watching standard def. Like, <laughs> <content>. <laughs> calibrate your television and t- that would t- probably be me. Just for yeah, the I'm pretty sure I've done that. I was trying to compare about a 4K TV, and I was like, I did it, and I was like, man, this looks great. And I was like, well, maybe it's not. I said, it's really the same thing. As I- <laughs> so then, what I-, I didn't think about it, I had to call Direct TV and have my box upgraded to 4K. So really, I was just watching regular HD. <laughs> 1080p still looks good, though, it because does. it's a multiple of the 4K resolution. I think it's 4096 or something. So it still looks good, but 4K definitely looks better. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I swear that's one of my nitpicks to see somebody with a HD TV and they don't have it like cranked up at least to at least to 1080. That's like every time I go home, I got to change the resolution to make it higher because it just irks me that <laughs> they're not watching it at the highest <laughs> resolution. But yeah, uh, speaking of feedback real quick before we move on, uh, I wanted to point this out and I had to look it up because I remember it from this past week. But our friend, Dwayne Farver, friend of the show. So he quotes me by saying, you're not human, sir. And he said, I agree. Lulu Wilson was great as Kestra. Thank you, sir. Thank you for (laughs) (laughs) playing. Uh, hey, and they, there's also some feedback I got from on Facebook. Well, it's not really feedback, but it's some input. Uh, our friend Jamie Frazier, she has been reading the Star Trek Picard novel, and she sell, t- tells us that it provides a lot of context for the show that probably would actually cause some spoilers. So um, I'm interested to get her opinions as she reads through, and she'll be sharing them with us. So hopefully I don't. I'm kind of on the fence about that. I don't really want spoilers, <laughs> but I know I'll never read the book. I'll never have time to read it. So we'll see how that goes. But thank you, Jamie Fraser, for I I, I think I'm the only one who likes spoilers. So if she wants to send them to me. I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> cool with that. Yeah, maybe we should read it and do a review sometime, you know, after the season ends. That might be cool. Yeah, who knows, man? Who knows? And Jeremy did a quick research. Obviously, he's a better Googler than I am. Uh, Barack Obama was actual president. I don't know why I know that. Oh, punch the air. Punch the air, <laughs> man. <laughs> and I'll shut up from now on. So. <laughs> awesome sauce. So, um, again, we want to thank each and everybody for following us and rating us on the various podcasting platforms. If you're on iTunes, you know, please just drop us, you know, five stars, you know, give us a quick review there. We love it. And all this stuff helps us get discovered. So we appreciate it, guys. And if nothing else, we are ready to go ahead and get into our review of Broken Pieces. What you are about to experience will drive you mad. We face a powerful enemy. What is happening on this cube? Something far worse is coming. Do you believe in hell? Neither did I until I saw it. Unless we act quickly. Hell will come again. So, guys, we are ready to go around the horn and get the high-level view of this episode. So, uh, let's start with you, Jeremy. What do you think, man? So, this show, is uh, the whole season has been just peaks and valleys for me. And um, it's starting to peak back up. So, I, I, I enjoyed it, and I'm hoping that peak will continue since we only have, what, two more episodes left? Yeah, man. Nearing the end. 
<laughs> Peaks and valleys. All right. John, what do you think, man? Um, actually a, another great episode in my opinion. Um had a lot of great moments. I'll take your word as punching the air moments. Uh had a lot of yes but no. Like I was like, oh man, this will be awesome, but not really moments. And then there was some like WTF moments. So we'll get in those. Interesting. What about you, Carrie? What do you think, man? I thought it was an excellent excellent episode. Um out of all of the new Star Treks that have come out. Well, it's only been this in Discovery, but I feel like this is the best episode as far as like being a Star Trek episode and like like just that Star Trek optimism was just in there. And I really enjoyed that. And um, I enjoyed all the exposition about like, I guess, the backstory about like the Zyvash and stuff like I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, man, you messaged me and I was like, wow, you're right. Cause I was feeling that same way by the end of this. I was, you know, very optimistic and, you know, upbeat, <laughs> which, you know, again, like you mentioned, that's, we don't see too many of those with the Alex Kurtzman produced, uh, Star Trek. So yeah, that, I, I love that. Uh, Kyle, what do you think, man? So I'm going to go with what you guys said. I agree. This felt very Star Trek, but I will also add that it, felt like all the pieces that they've been dropping since the first episode are starting to come together to form a big picture. And that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. As for me, all the same things, man. I think we get a lot of explanation for a lot of the things that have been going on this season. You know, they really pretty much um, resolved a lot of mystery. So I guess the next mystery is just to see what this freaking Android planet looks like. <laughs> but, but I loved it all. I love how they tied into the different characters across the board. And we got, we got detective Rafi, which I love anytime she's doing her thing. And the sober Rafi is a good Rafi. Ding! <laughs> so yeah, she's awesome. Now that she's <laughs> not, you know, the, the uh, slob of alcoholic. So yeah, I love seeing her in this episode as well, but uh, yeah, we're going to waste no time and get right to it. If you have not seen this episode, of course, uh, we're going to spoil everything. So, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So, man, we get a full reveal of the vision that Commodore O presented to Gerardi back at the Daystrom Institute. Uh, our four mothers came to the system looking for an answer to the riddle, <laughs> the eightfold stars. Um, interesting. I found it very interesting that the Zot Vash apparently are uh, all women, which, you know, that's I guess that's analogous to the uh, court Malat, which, uh, you know, interesting stuff there. You know, I, I wasn't expecting that at all. But, you know, we get that reveal. So what do you guys just think of this whole vision, this initiation? What are you guys' thoughts on this grief world introduction that we get? So I think this is the first time we really get any real feeling from Nerissa's character because she felt, I think we were talking last episode, that she was very one-dimensional. And this is the first time I felt like they fleshed her out a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Anybody else? For me... The most shocking thing, of course, the exposition and stuff was great, but like the most shocking thing for me was seeing Borg Lady there. I was like, what, what is, she, what is she doing there? Was that like disclosed before that she was Zotvash? Did, 
Or no, was... it wasn't. We don't get that to this episode. Yeah. At least and I didn't her, get it if it was before. I don't know. And her connection to Narissa. Yeah, her auntie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. Her. The I, I can't remember her name, but yeah. the lady that was that's the lady that was a Borg, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She got assimilated. Um she was assimilated in the, early in the episode. They show her again in this episode, uh post assimilation. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah, it's definitely her. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh that was a nice little reveal for me as well. Um this scene, so I have to give kudos to the set design again because that was a beautiful scene of the ladies around the information portal, I guess you could call it. <laughs> uh, but what I gathered most from this scene, which is not really important, but you kind of brought it to light, Clarence, was, you know, when, they, when we realized it was all women. So we go back to the last episode where, where Elnor was fighting Narissa and she said, Something to the effect of you're quite, quite malat, whatever. We're going to show you how to Zot Vosh fight. So now I kind of see why that was more important because, you know, they're a band of all women right. versus another band of all women. Yeah. So that was pretty cool to, to bring up. Um, but man, this particular scene after the information is received, like that was pretty uh, intense. Yeah. Like almost too much for my taste and trick. Hmm. Well, I mean, I kind of have to agree with you because I had uh, my wife had just got done with dinner, had my plate, sat down in front of, front of my computer, going to have a nice dinner and watch Star Trek. And then I watched people claw their eyes out and bash their heads in with rocks. And I was like, I was not expecting that. Yeah. My, my wife was the same way. She looked, she's like, this is Star Trek? <laughs> and I mean, we had an elf bomb dropped in this episode. Several. Yeah, and she's like, I can't believe this is Star Trek. <laughs> so here's what you guys need to like put in your head going forward. Any of these Star Treks that we watch on CBS All Access, two words for you going forward that I think will sum it up: Klingon sex. Yeah. So you should you should be you should be ready to watch anything. Don't be surprised Whoa. with anything. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Kira, you've been missed. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jeremy, any thoughts, man? Well, I, mean, I have a question I, because and this is probably my ignorance of the next generation. Um, do the are the Romulans like a very ceremonial species? Because this seemed very ceremonial, and I was wondering if there's if that's just kind of who they are, or if it was just for this uh, scene. I wouldn't say ceremonial. I would just say very secretive. Yeah, it just it just seemed very ceremonial or rit- ritual ritualistic. I guess it would be a, another way to put it. Well, they are an extension. I don't know what came first, Romulans or Vulcans. I think Romulans, but you know, Vulcans are very ritualistic and and have like a lot of formalities they go through. So, right. I'm assuming it's kind of a yeah a stretched but kind of a relationship between the two species. Okay, but I've never. I mean, I've never seen any Romulan ceremonial anything in Trek that I can remember. Okay, because you know they all had the black robes. They were all standing with their backs to this information portal. But I think that was just a Zot Vosh thing. Yeah, th- in this case with the Zot Vosh, it was very much an initi- initiation. Think sorority, fraternity. They have to go through this trial to be indoctrinated into the Zot Vosh fold. And I, I just love their minute. It 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 made me, you know, truly um, 
realize what happened to Gerardi and why it made her flip out so bad, which we're going to get a little explanation for that later. But it from from the sheer horror of what we saw on screen. Um, yeah. Yeah. This admonition thing was is pretty intense, man. And if you could survive it, I guess you're worthy enough to be a Zotvosh. Uh, pretty good not stuff. Not worth it, man. Not worth it. <laughs> but, but, you know, <laughs> but you know, this was an intense scene, but to me, the the scene with um, Egypt and Stardust City Rag, I think that was, to me, more intense than this one, just because of how quick and, how, I guess, how violent they were with it, with Egypt, and this was just more, I guess, deliberate? Mm, I guess just the violence in this one kind of set it apart. Yeah, yeah. But, so, Jeremy has a uh, sort of theory, and I kind of noticed it as well. Uh, maybe you guys agree with this. This flash of information uh, that we got, you know, you they show like the Android, or they show the synth, and it kind of transitions to data space. But that original synth that they showed is like a white-faced, robot-like type deal. Kind of reminded me of What's her name? Arium? Arium. Yeah. From the Arium Discovery. from Discovery? Is it possible it could be the same species or well now, Ar- now Arium was well now Arium was, yeah, she started out as she started, human, but oh, she okay. was turned into a cyborg uh, for lack of a better term. Well, I mean technically that'd be synthetic. She, right. She yeah. was ghost in the shield, basically. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, not anime fans. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. I mean, I totally get what you're saying. That does uh, could remind you of Arium, but I did freeze frame on that, and it's it doesn't look like her if you freeze frame on it. Um, because because that's what I thought too at first, and also for that matter, if this is a vision of something that happened two hundred thousand years ago, why do they have data in their memories? It doesn't make any sense. Unless soon got the idea. From some historical documents Aww. from this planet. I'm just saying. Aww. I don't know saying. about that. <laughs> but that was that was another kind of one of those WTF moments. Like, are we sure it was data though? It looked like it. It, yes. it looked it looked like look like me. Well, I mean, there's like there's like a bunch of androids that look like Soji too. I mean, that doesn't mean it's her. I mean, that doesn't mean it's him. Well, it 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 also made me think that data might come back. Is what my my kind of theory I got out of that whole thing of him yeah. being in it. Yeah, or well, there's another thought. data on the planet that we're going to see in the next episode or two. Or could it be hmm. lore that's behind these this group of this planet full of androids? I don't know. We will see, I guess. So, I mean, you, you guys mentioned it. We also get the scene with Narissa and her auntie on the artifact, and I don't really get this. So she says that. The auntie's despair is what caused the board cube to be broken. Yeah, that was kind of dumb to me. It's a poetic, but mm, yeah, that was pushing it a little bit. It it was very pretty dialogue, but it doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> I I didn't put much thought into it. I mean, like, oh, okay, that explains the board cube. I think that was the point of it, trying to trying to give light on why that board cube was there. But like you guys said, it was. And then she said she would make a much better drone, which I thought was really weird of her to say when that's like who she's that's why she's fighting. But she would be better at it than her aunt would. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell if she loves her or loathes her. Well, I mean, she took in uh, her and Eric. So I would think there would be some type of good, great connection between them. But who knows? Or, or maybe just needs her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, get yeah, I think it's more needing her. 
I think she loves her, but secretly she's resenting her for like hiding inside her head. Basically, is what I got from all of that. Ah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, and it and it makes me think of think like why are the Romulans even reclaiming this Borg cube? Is it for the tech, or are they just trying to get this information to find out where the synths are? Was it all a ploy to do that? Because they kind of left it pretty quick now. <laughs> so, hmm. <laughs> so so uh, this this one is for you, John. We get yet another fight scene with Elnor. Um, <laughs> Are we any more <laughs> impressed with his fighting? <laughs> God, oh man, God. listen, they just took my favorite character and they're just <laughs> driving him in the ground. I'm like, see, gosh, I disagree. Man. I like Elnor. I like him as a character. Okay, and, well, well, and I don't really break. care if he can fight or not because I've seen crappy fighting on hundreds of shows. So I just don't even really pay attention to the fighting. I look more just as what's happening in the story. Well, my my point, my my reason for liking him so much was because of the expectation of the fights. Yeah, I was like, man, guys. this is going to be a badass fighter. Like, we're going to get some great fight scenes, and <laughs> he let me down. <laughs> you guys, like, there's something you have to realize. Okay, <laughs> he is what we call a melee fighter. <laughs> so, like, the, the weaknesses of melee fighters are numbers and projectiles. Like. He's not really going to be that effective in this show as a melee fighter. Like he's doing what he can. I mean, you, you I don't care if you Bruce Lee in in this setting it's not going to matter a whole lot. Like I don't think it says anything about his fighting prowess. Like there's that in the fact that he's basically a, a kid. Like he's never been he's never been away from home. Like I think you guys are expecting too much from him. Man, I don't know Michelle well, Yo not- freaking rocks <laughs> when she's fighting. I mean, I do. Yeah, but she's got a background that. in that. I understand that, Carrie, and I do see that a lot. Like, this is just not for him. But the story built it up like my expectation. They built him up to be it, to be better fight scenes to come. And yet I have not seen that. Are you it just is- talking about the choreography or are you just talking about the outcome of the fights? The choreography, the quick camera switches, yeah, a, you know, a little well, bit of all of it, but I mean, more lit, more so the outcome of the fights, or not even the outcome, just the the whole. Like I expected, not that I expect him to win every fight, but I expected <laughs> him to be better. Well, by the way, they built him up. I do understand, like now his weakness is showing because of his <laughs> inexperience, his youngness. He's not really his fighting style, but go to like, YouTube and watch the videos, like. I mean, you can watch the video in Enter the Dragon, but whatever. Like, there's like training videos of Bruce Lee training with Kareem Abdul Jabbar. And as great as Bruce Lee can fight, he's still short. So, like, <laughs> no, that's what I'm he saying. has I mean, trouble with Kareem Abdul Jabbar who can't fight at all. Like, I mean, there's, there's, like, you got to be realistic, is what I'm saying. Well, I've, I've seen all of those. Like, I'm a big martial arts fan. I've seen all that. I understand martial arts. My point is, we were built up to believe this was going to be some great fight sequences to come. Great fights. He was going to be good. He was going to be a savior. Like he was going to be badass. That's what they built it up to be. Yeah. They didn't build it up, but it was going to be. So my expectation of Elnor, they let me down on. See, like, I, I understand. Expecta- I, I respect what you just. I, I respect wholeheartedly everything you just said. I saw him as a different character, but I respect where you are coming from and I see your point, but same, I saw him same. as a different character. Well, well, yeah, let's do this. I want to give Carrie a huge amount of props here. 
uh, Karen and Jeremy, actually, when we when we talk about Elnor in the last episode, you said he was a big kid. You know, he he doesn't know <laughs> tactic. He knows how to fight, but uh, and that was so distinctly expressed when he runs up to seven and just gives her a hug like he's a five year old. Like, I love that. I'm like, I you guys are so right. That. All right, yeah. So, John, this is basically what I'm saying. Elnor is not Vegeta. He's Gohan. Oh God, we're still in- <laughs> Gohan's just as strong as Vegeta, but Vegeta can like he has experience. Like that's 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 perfect. That's perfect analogy. It is, but I'm raising my hand because I have no idea who these people are that you're talking about. <laughs> well, Naruto and Sasuke are kind of oh, okay. Lord. <laughs> so, Karen, so I get your point. I'm just saying. So in. For this to go, for me, me to be all right with this, like they should have introduced Elnor into this mission as, you know, Picard let him down in the past and to kind of make they up. Did. No, listen, they did. the kind of the kind of make up for it where I'm gonna bring him along with me so he can experience life. I can teach him the things he needs to know. But they introduced That's exactly him as, how they introduced him, No, John. They introduced That's exactly him as, how they introduced him. Picard went to this planet. About? He went to the planet and he asked the Quat Malat or whatever. He wanted some help. He needed security. He needed somebody to help protect him because it was going to be dangerous. And they said, well, you can take Elnor. He's one of our best. He's become our best fighter here. He's been training for it. Blah, blah. I mean, they made it out like he was going to be Picard's savior or the security. And he can't secure anybody. But he was the best fighter there. That's he's he's you're taking somebody out of their element and having them do something and fighting in circumstances that he's never been presented in. So you can't fault him for that. And I'm not saying you, I'm saying anybody. I I hear you and I understand. I'm just saying I was disappointed because he wasn't. Your expectation of what you said you thought they should have introduced him as like, that's exactly how I saw him in the first episode. (laughs) Like that's what I'm laughing. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we, 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 we're gonna pivot. We're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. We've we've uh, killed this discussion about Elnor's lack of fighting ability. Uh, but let's go ahead and stay on the Borg track and let's talk about Seven as she visits the Queen Cell and takes over the Borg Cube. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on Jerry Ryan's performance there. Did we get all the feels as we saw Seven and Nine take over the artifact and the micro collective, as she's calls it? So just thoughts on Jerry Ryan's performance there. Brilliant. <laughs> I think Elnor summed, summed it up perfectly. Are you going to assimilate me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. He continuously let me down. <laughs> I, th- I, I thought, thought it was perfect. perfect. His character, it was, it was. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was a great little, a, a great scene. I, I'm really enjoying what they're doing with Seven of Nine right now, and I kind of wish yeah. she would have stayed, but I'm glad she didn't because that would have set her her more when she's there. Yeah, yeah. She totally, totally pulled off being two people in that scene because yes. it, it was totally believable to me that the board Queen, quote unquote, and Seven of Nine were. T- Two completely different characters. She pulled that off perfectly. Well, and not just seven or nine, but you know, they just sure the they referred to her. She referred to herself as Annika. Yes, which I thought was yeah, really awesome. interesting. So here's where I I went. Like I said, there was a moment, like a punch in the air moment, like, and I kind of crossed shows here. So in that moment, before she did that, before she made that decision, I was like, man, it'd be freaking awesome if she like just takes 
like gets connected and kind of becomes the board queen and control the drones. And she did. And I was like, yes, this is, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. And then right then it hit me. We watched the entire, like what, three seasons of us trying to get her away from the Borg and make her more human. We just lost it right then. So I was kind of disappointed yeah. after it, it. It was something that we, that we've, that it, that all we've all like either been looking forward to and dreaded at the same yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah, but there's there's a great moment when she's talking about the reassimilation of the XBs and the drones that are still in the alcoves, and and man, I was taken right back to Voyager with her having all this emotion when she talks, and just great acting by Jerry Ryan, and yeah, that that was my moment for her. You know, she was mentioning of reassimilation and losing uh, uh, their individuality again. I just, that, that's what I looked at seven for. She, she was right back there on Voyager with that same emotion. And I loved it. And I think the most human I've ever seen her was when she said she may not want to give it up. Yes, 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 man. We got to see seven become the board queen for a minute. That was awesome. (laughs) Wow. So do we think it was the, Micro collective that said Annika still has work to do, or was it Annika telling herself that? Interesting. And Ant- wow, well, I didn't think about that. <laughs> huh? Ooh, that's actually deep. That's a yeah. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> well, I needed somebody else to suffer this <laughs> with me. Well, that's deep. I like that. It feels like it was a collective. It does, but without a queen to make that decision, who? Could it have been a collective decision? Like, not just the collective, but, like, both, well, all Annika, Seven of Nine, and the collective Ooh. saying Annika's not done yet? With any, without anyone directing the drones, the collective has no directive? What about what about this? Any female that is assimilated into the Borg collective has a, for lack of a better word, uh, a a program installed in them that if they are connected to the, in the queen's throne room, that this queen mentality activates perhaps. Hmm. I don't know. Kind of far-fetched, but I don't know. I really don't know. I think, I think part of it could be, and we'll move on, but part of, part of it could be that the, the XBs, she are also connected to them, right? That have been released. I think part of that is them, having their individuality and you, ah. you, can, you can think of it just like Hugh, you know, that spark of individuality is enough to let them know that it's not the right thing to, <laughs> to be a collective. So I don't know. Wouldn't it be awesome if like when she activated the micro collective, like one of them, like maybe reassimilated Hugh into it. Uh-huh. So he ain't gone. <laughs> I hope not. I mean, I'm pretty sure he is, but I'm not. All right, guys. Snappy dead. Snappy dead. Wait, what, what is that from? I can't even remember. It was Happy did it. Was it Marvin? Martin? Yeah, I, thought, I think it was Martin. Oh, wow. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we digress. Um, so next we're taken to a great scene when Asha and Picard beam aboard the La Serena. Man, man, man. So initial thoughts on Rios is um uh, reactions to seeing Asha. That was unexpected, right? Yes. Agreed. Totally unexpected. Dude's crazy. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I mean he really did like lose his mind for a minute. So 
like I'm curious as to how long this what was her name? Lana? Lana? Jana. Jana. Like I guess they formed a relationship, but how long were they on the ship before he formed such a strong relationship? Or was it the relationship with the captain that reminded him of it? That she reminded him of? It might have been the relationship because he seemed to have a close relationship with the captain and this is the catalyst for that ending. It's just some strong emotion to make him react that way. And he's talking about a character that really hadn't shown much strong emotion to anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you have you know, we'll get into you have Rios that who went through this very traumatic experience. You know, your mentor, duty's calling his father, for that matter, um, you know, goes on his secret mission given to him by Commodore O and Starfleet. And um, he has to blow these individuals away. Yeah, <laughs> So pretty crazy. Um, and then he blows himself away. So, you know, very strong, heavy subject there. But I can see how that could weigh on a brother. I can see that. So can I just say, and I'm probably going to get a lot of heat for this. This this particular plot line is really unnecessary to have everyone connected, like in a far out way to what's going on, and just not have somebody just show up to be to help. You know, I mean, it just seems it just seems kind of far fetched that they happen to get the the, the captain of a ship who happens to be connected. <laughs> right. I mean, the odds of that happening are just. Well, now that you say it, it's in my mind. I mean, I didn't <laughs> see how, this is how I feel when you talk to me sometimes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's the same reservations I had last week by making uh, Riker's son disease directly related to the sense being, you know, decommissioned. Yep, totally agree. I'm like, uh, do we always have to have one degree of separation between everybody? I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I do think it's a very when you talk about Rios's backstory, I do think it's a very good story but again maybe a little bit too on the nose to make things all in this pretty little bow to make everything's tie in you know right i mean it, it did make for some great scenes later on but yeah. it takes away the randomness of it right yeah yeah well that's i guess that's the argument people make about what star uh, wars to how does everybody know everybody we go to the same three planets you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh but but then we have cla- classic Rafi in that same scene where they being back aboard the La Serena. Uh, just again, I love her ability to read situations. So I want to ask you guys, what do we think about Picard and Rafi and, and Rafi taking Picard to task on his ability to read people and trust people? You know, the master mind reader is <laughs> fussing because somebody else is horrible at reading. Is, is, is Picard just that bad at reading people or can he see something in people that that we can't see on the surface? Mm. I mean, he trusted Gerardi and he trusted uh, uh, Asha for that matter. And very, you know, after knowing them for very little time, you know. Could hmm. it, mm, I think, it, you know, and this is going to sound like a cop-out answer, but I think it's a little bit of both. I think he does see a little bit of what we don't see, but I think he's a little rusty in the sense of he's been self, um, you know, he's self-imposed exile that he's been on for all these years. I think he's a little rusty, but I do think that he does see just inside people a little bit more based on his experience. But I still think, so again, I, I'm I'm playing the middle ground there, but I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, 
I don't, I think just, you know, you go through TNG, I don't think he's ever really got to, I think he's very good at seeing the overall picture. Like, I think overall, and he was right, overall, Gerardi is a good person. But unfortunately, she was mind melded into doing something bad, but it didn't necessarily make her the bad person. So he he wasn't technically wrong, but because Picard never he's always had a crew to look into the intricate details. Like Picard say, I trust this species, but Deanna Troy says, well, there's something <laughs> secretive going on about them. And Worf like, we should kill them all. And, you know, after he gathers all that information, you know, then he can approach it like, well, they're still a good species, but there's something else here that I would have missed if I hadn't had that input. I think he's very still in his kind of captain role like he his job is to kind of look at the overall picture and make a judgment and then the details come from a crew or maybe i'm just gibberish. no i think i, I think uh, that's very good i love how i mean i just continue to love how she is able to you know call picard a fool and and I, I think she does a rafi when i say she i think she does a great job of being a balancing act with picard because you have picard you know, maybe going too far in the trusting area, but she's able to give him enough strife to, <laughs> to kind of bring him back to the center. So, I, I mean, I love that about the dynamic, their relationship. It's just, I think it works well together, even though Rafi can be a little animated. So, yeah, like I, I like to me, it was kind of she kind of went overboard when she grabbed the phaser rifle. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> Like, this escalated really quickly. <laughs> she had to make a point, man. I mean, in a way, I kind of understand it, but <laughs> it seemed a little bit over the top. Yeah. Dramatic like, tension. if Picard hadn't been there, she would have blown her away. <laughs> it's or just one of those things where, like, like, if you've been with him this long, you should understand how his mind works. Like, you right. should. Yeah, like, it just seemed a bit weird. Yeah, like this long relationship, but, you just lost all trust in Picard in that but, moment. But also, you have to remember, Rafi. You know, she's a, for lack of a better term, she's a substance abuser. So the mind that Rafi had when they were working together is not the necessarily the mind that she has now. I would yeah. say more tenfold hat than substance abuser, but yeah, I guess either one works. Yeah, she's going through withdrawal. Yeah, makes you edgy. Ah, good point. <laughs> good point. Yeah. I didn't think about that. But but honestly, I didn't think she would ever shoot shoot her. Uh, I thought she was just trying to make a point to get a point across. So I don't know if a car hadn't stood in the middle. I'm... You're going to have to shoot me first. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a Picard impression? <laughs> <laughs> okay. From now on, Carrie does all the Picard impressions. <laughs> but but we get this scene of Picard and Admiral Clancy, Christian Cl- Clancy, and I think Picard gets a pretty good win here. Maybe one of his first of the season. Oh yeah, I do love it. But she she got her end uh, end stab in that kind of went deep. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. Picard has this great line. He says, uh, "If you say this is not your job at Starfleet, then you're a waste of space." I'm like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> they ain't playing. Yeah, but then she's like, "Shut them." <laughs> <laughs> like it negated that great statement which he was good it was really good but then she's like man this is already done shut the hell up 
Yeah, that's what made it so funny is that we've all done that, or at least I know I have, where I'm just sitting there arguing for something and the person's like, Okay, shut up, I agree with you. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but look but 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 look at the contrast of when the last time he walked in and talked with her and she basically dismissed him. I, I think his his statement was totally on point because she basically said, You're old and senile, get out of here the last time. And this time Yes, it, it, you know, she's totally changed her tune, but I think he, w- you know, was right to go in and was like, blah, 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 everything he said because of the way she treated him the last time. Honestly, though, like the first time they talked, I didn't think it was that she didn't believe him because she obviously believed him because she told one of her subordinates to follow up on it. I thought she was just salty because he went on the interview and was like bad mouthing Starfleet. Ah, good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, I mean, Clancy is just going to be who she is. I mean, obviously, she's a very uh, snipey person. <laughs> but, you know, it makes for some good television because I love them two together. It's pretty funny when they ever get the chance to, to bump heads. <laughs> so I'm, I'm all in favor of a well-placed F-bomb. If anybody's had a you know decent conversation with me out in public, you know, I'm not afraid to, to use language. But just for some reason, language like that in Star Trek just makes me, I guess, uneasy. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. It yeah. just doesn't feel right. And the word that's so, the whole point of the word is that it's not appropriate. Like <laughs> to but, quote Kaylee but, from um Firefly. Like the whole point is that it's not appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And fracking was already taken, so fracking Cylons. In the words of Kyle, clean on six. <laughs> exactly. I, I welcome the edgy language because I feel like if you have a bunch of people like like that's how military people talk. This is the military. Like yeah, it makes sense to me. I don't know. I just, you know, like I said, like I said, I'm not opposed to it. And, you know, I'm sure Jonathan can attest in normal everyday conversation, but this is, it just feels really weird coming from Star Trek. I guess it'd be worse if they were like on actual Federation business in uniform. <laughs> Probably, yeah. So I think we mentioned this a few episodes back. You know, so far we've just seen them like in their outside lives. Ca- and who's casual conversation. That, yeah. yeah. Who's to say that's not how the casual conversation goes? Like most Star Trek we've seen has always been on doing duty. the job, on yeah. duty. Right. True. Were there any F-bombs in Discovery? I don't remember any. I remember plenty think, of S's. Yeah. I don't I remember any F-bombs. was a couple. Uh, I think he, Tilly may have even said. Yeah, one, she did. Yeah, yeah, she, she, yeah. Did. yeah, I remember now. Yeah, yeah, it was about science, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I can love science. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I, Jeremy, I definitely get what you're saying, man. Because for me, I always thought of Star Trek is something that a family could watch, even though it's not always been that. You know, I, I thought of it as very approachable. You know, right? Uh, but but they're definitely being risky here, and I, I mean, I think it, I think it works. Uh, but again, I would hope that there are like different cuts of this show that you can get to a younger <laughs> person to watch it as well. So I don't know. It's I think it's, they're just taking advantage of not being on broadcast television, to be honest. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't expect this to be something you can watch in church, but, it stands out to me more or less. Cause like I said many times before, I kind of got my wife into watching a lot of Star Trek and she's, very much against profanity. She she hates to hear profanity. And, you know, she, she just loves Star Trek. Like, a lot of movies I watch, if it's too violent or too much profanity, she just kind of doesn't watch it. So we got into Star Trek, and it was something we could watch together. But, like, these 
Every mm-hmm. episode of Picard she sits down to watch with me has been like really violent <laughs> or profanity. <laughs> and I, I think the context of it is not lost on me either because if you think about it, all the characters saying like the the harsh language or, or side characters. Like if Picard drops an F bomb, I'll be like when Superman snaps Zai's neck in the <laughs> Superman movie. I'd be like, no, yeah, he does not. Picard, except for that one Wolverine movie, he does not drop the F bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would be totally. It bothered me in the Wolverine movie when he was dropping F bomb. (laughs) (laughs) That was a rated R movie. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Rafi and her ultimate investigation and the five broken pieces of Rios. Um, You know, (laughs) so the name Jana comes up and she goes on this, I'm not going to say tirade. She goes to investigate every part of the ship, every nook and cranny all of these hollows to try to figure out what the heck is going on. So, I mean, I know you guys like your hollows, so I have to hear like, what do we think about this very weird scene with five hollows in one room, trying to figure out what this, I got to jump in real quick for anybody (laughs) else. I got to say this group therapy. That is the perfect (laughs) description. Group therapy. There I'm through group therapy. (laughs) Glad you said therapy. <laughs> so like True. I have I have a question. Like, was it just dramatic irony for them? Like, did they just not notice that all the the hollow people looked exactly like him before this episode? Like that was the only thing that bothered me about this episode. Like nobody even acknowledged that they all looked like him before this episode. That just really bothered me. Yeah. The first episode, yeah. I was like, mm, that guy kind of looks like the pilot. And like, nobody ever says anything. But just like, hey, <laughs> like fly the ship or whatever. And it kind of bothered, like, it well, bothered me that they couldn't tell the difference in them, really. Like, I, it bothered me also that they didn't just now realize that they all look like him. But, yeah, that's what you know, saying. I think from the beginning, we've also could kind of tell a difference between at least between the real Captain Rios and the holograms. One of them doesn't one of them only speak Spanish <laughs> most of the time, and his hair is all weird looking. He looks like yeah. a biker, and the other guy looks like a librarian, and the other guy looks like a poet. And like, none of them really looks like reals. I actually think the concept of this is really cool, though. Like, I like the concept of his, his hollow assistants be looking, exa- I think that's hilarious. But just the fact that nobody acknowledges it before this episode is just what bothered me. Yeah, and I, I do like how uh, Rafi uses these hollows uh, to figure out, you know, what the conclave of eight is about the Rumlin octonary and all this stuff. You know, normally we would have saw a Star Trek character say computer and ask the question, but she like approaches all of these hollows to get this information, which I thought was pretty fantastic. And the fact that she was able to distinguish, hey, they, if they, they used a scan of him to create all these different, yes. and then she realizes, ooh, this is different aspects of him. I thought that was really, really smart on her part. Yeah, to come in and try to piece together this puzzle. Uh, yes. Because they mentioned that, you know, Rios <laughs> just went in and started hacking away at their their programming. So I thought it, I thought that was really well played. One quick shout out I want to give on that, that scene where they're all sitting there talking, it reminded me a lot of the TV show Orphan Black with the one character, many actor, I mean, many characters, one room, one actor interacting. Very, very well done. Very cool. But reminded me of that. Yeah, definitely. You know, I didn't think about the complexities of that. That is pretty awesome. 
So let me ask a question to you guys, because I missed something. Did we hear? I, I don't remember hearing anything about the conclave of eight. So uh, Rafi brings it up when she's on the on, yeah. uh, free cloud talking to her son. That's the first time I think we hear of it. But we see the octanaries on the board cube that the XBs are the Romulan XBs where they're in that room. Right. Uh, they're drawing the ox- octanaries. I just didn't remember him saying the conclave of eight. Yeah, I think he's only mentioned once, and this Rafi says it to her son. It's the only time I remember hearing it. Hmm. I was hoping to get more, <laughs> hoping that'll be a little, <laughs> a little more bases in that, but I got you. I got you. Well, I mean, it's interesting in the fact that she thought it was like eight people, but it turns out to be these eight stars that have been engineered in this solar system, which I find that fascinating. That Did she say where she got that information when she was talking to her son? Well, she found it in her earlier investigations of trying to figure out why Mom, Mars got bombed or uh, got attacked. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay, that was all. I got you. I yeah, got that's you. all old research she did for that. You know, so yeah. I have a that's, question for John. Uh oh. <laughs> Not the. <laughs> so, so you have no problem believing that they pulled eight planets together or whatever to form this thing. Like, that just doesn't bother you at all, but you're upset about Eleanor's fighting ability. No, not again. Not again. That's all. Like, the whole time that she was explaining it, I was like, this is the most unbelievable thing I've ever heard on a science fiction, like, it, it, and that's that's saying a lot. Like, well, well <laughs> she said she said it was. They they did say it was an ancient race of very uh, ancient, very powerful race that we know nothing about. You know, that's just basically get out of jail free card. <laughs> I mean, Carrie, I agree with you. It is it is very 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 far fetched, and by no reason you should believe that it was ever even possible. But I mean, it was so far fetched that I just kind of put it in that box, like. <laughs> you know, when she said that, I was like, okay. But then I was kind of like, uh, oh, well, we're going to go with it because it's some, I mean, we, we got to I mean, go on with the story. They have just, couldn't they have just left a note? Like, they had to do all that? I mean, like, come uh, on, guys. We, we, do it, we do it here when we want to remember something. We build this grand, you know, uh, monument to say, you know, this is what we went through. Let's not go through that through this again. We, we do it here. We don't pull planets together, but we kind of yeah. do it here. But it carries defense. Like, it's hard enough to get a starship across light years. I mean, it took Voyager how many years to go light years, and you want to pull a sun? Right. And I have so many questions. Like, how did they end the first conflict with the robots? Like, what happened? Yeah, I want to know what happened. Hopefully, you find out. I think we will find out. Yeah, maybe they were dragging suns and got blown up. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh, Not boy. a tractor beam drags a sun. <laughs> a good one. <laughs> So I'm gonna ask real quick, like, do we have any more thoughts on the uh the real real story? Uh Captain Alonzo Vandermeer, the Ibn Majid, first contact, beautiful flower, Jana. Any thoughts on all that stuff? I just kind of felt bad for him because here was this guy who he just looked up to and like he was his father figure, basically. And he dogged him so bad that he ended up killing himself. Like, that's horrible. Like, I see why he drinks all the time. Like yeah. It makes sense. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't show that. <laughs> yeah. So the only thing I got from this was, and it's kind of a stretch of research, but so they said this other person was called Beautiful Flower, and they alluded that someone said it was a him, so it was a male character uh, named Beautiful Flower, and 
so I like Google what what's the what's another what's a word for beautiful flower and it's calandra spelled with a C. And there was actually a Calandra system spelled with a K in DS9 where the Dominion kind of took over. It was a it's a system close to Earth. And when the Dominion was attacking Earth, they like kind of pushed the Federation out of the Calandra system. And that was part of one of Cisco's missions to take it back. I don't know how why it's important or why it's not. I was just curious as to why it was so important that this person was named Beautiful Flower. You know what I mean? Like yeah, maybe they were trying much... to tell us something because else they would have just called him Chris or <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Bob. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I, I I didn't know if they were just trying to be progressive or they were really trying to have like a Easter egg for us. I really couldn't tell. I really couldn't tell. So this was that was in twenty three ninety. What is the current star date? Do we know what it is? I have no idea. Star date. Because yeah. like I'm just curious how long ago it was. Because if if it looked if this if the sister looked like Soji, I'm just wondering like if the times line up with when when the doctor whose name I can't remember when he left Starfleet to go build robots or whatever he did like oh, oh Maddox. Bruce Maddox yeah, yeah 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 when Maddox left do like I'm just wondering if all the time okay so yeah it was 23.99 so like I'm wondering if that lines up with with with, with when Maddox left Starfleet um and started making these androids or whatever you want to call them i, I think mm-hmm. so because they they explain it when they have the uh the red table talk at the end of the episode where they're all sitting and the, down and saying what you know kind of laying out the, the cars on the table well if that's the case i'm going to postulate that beautiful flower was a copy of data like i'm just going to say it um, why do you use i'm just curious why do you he's using data's neuro he's using his he, he he's using is it his neuron is that what it is his that he's using they're to, saying that his neurons yeah to use to create these 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 subsequent androids, why wouldn't he try to make a copy of it? It only like that makes perfect sense to me. Okay, so you're you're not saying because of the name, you just no, not the name. Okay. I'm saying because <laughs> of the time, the timing of it is that. Yeah, so that's kind of like, that's kind of where I went too. Like maybe this is like, uh, uh, like maybe not even Maddox. Maybe it's Data Lore. Or... They're gonna there's gonna be a copy of Data on that on that planet. Mark my words. Yeah, they, they, they've been kind of sloppy in their storytelling um, because when they showed the flashback of Gerardi and Maddox, are we to believe that's 13 years ago? It looked like <laughs> it was yesterday to me. I mean, I, I'm i just saying. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know. They have some weirdness in their storytelling that is kind of confusing. Uh, and, and you're right, Carrie. You're totally right. These timelines, there's so many <laughs> things going on and they have to line up exactly so, yeah, it's it's a little weird. You know, and that's also one of the, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? That's all the di- what, that's also one of the disadvantages of having such a short season that yeah. you are trying to condense so much story that I think we end up having situations with questions like what we're posing right now because it's so condensed. Hmm. Well, let's let's go ahead and get into this. What I consider a great scene uh, between Ash and Picard, and this is very data centric. You know, um, I just loved it. I just loved it. And Picard says a statement that is so true, but I did not realize it after you know a entire run of the Next Generation. I did not realize this, but it's so true. So he says, data capacity for expressing and processing emotion is limited. I suppose we had that in common, and it. Really is true because Picard is like very standoffish, but 
I don't know. I don't know. Something about this statement just made them seem so similar. And I never thought of it before. But, you know, Picard is not an emotional being and data doesn't have the capacity to be emotional. So they're very, very similar in that way. And I just love that statement. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, was well, good. it was a good one, especially when she, uh, you know, she asked him, did data love you? And he didn't know. And like after he, he, that whole conversation, she was like, he loved you. Yeah. And like, that was kind of like data telling him, cause I mean, in all his purposes, he can kind of assume that data would process the information just as she has. So, you know, after all these years, data really did have a love for me. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the threshold. And I think we've kind of hinted at this already, but what do we think about this off the used concept? Cause you know, you could think of the matrix, you could think of Terminator, you could think of a number of science fiction, uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. You can think of a number of uh, science fiction properties that has this idea of robots, androids, Cylons, whatever you want to call them, taking over. Um, do we like this this concept being brought to, to Star Trek? I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, I kind of knew that's where this was going, so... Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with you, Jonathan. I think it's... I didn't have a problem with it either, and I think Eventually, that's just just by the nature of what that storyline is. It's a reflection of how our technology is changing. And I think our technology is getting more and more to that point. So I just think it's a natural progression. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's two more big points I wanted to talk about. I want to take a talk about Asha taking over the uh, La Serena and, and, you know, plotting a course to the Borg uh, Transconduit Network. Voyager fans out there, did that really uh, make you happy? It confused me because I thought that was destroyed. Just in the Alpha Quadrant, though. I think they were in the Beta Quadrant. Oh, were they? Leaving the queue, leaving the, rec- the That's, reclamation. Okay. So they destroyed the, the conduit that led to the Alpha Quadrant. Well, I don't know. Because, wait, when, when Janeway was, when they were going, leaving the Delta Quadrant going through, they left something to destroy the entire network. Well, one of six. There was like six. Oh yeah, of them. yeah, yeah. They just destroyed, destroyed the one, one of six. Yeah, just the one to Alpha Quadrant. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah, good I observation. Don't know. I, I thought they were going to do something a little different. Uh, it wasn't a high point for me. Like, and, and it kind of just felt like I don't know. Unless unless there's some context to it in the next episodes, like it really, like maybe I was expecting maybe because they're going to take control of this board cube, it'll be able to travel through that network because nobody else knows how to access that. Right. For some reason, Dodge knew how to access it. So maybe that's just leaving it open for the board cube to follow. Yeah. Otherwise, it was pointless for them to do that. I don't know. I think me. it was awesome just for, just for the reference. <laughs> and it looked freaking when they were approaching the conduit. That scene was freaking spectacular, man. Yeah. Far, far better than what we've seen in Voyager. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about the. Picard and Carrie, you brought this up earlier. Picard unwavering optimism moment when he's speaking to Rios. Again, is it, this may be another Picard moment or the Picard moment uh, from the series? Uh, any thoughts on that conversation about uh, how fear is the great destroyer? That's when he becomes the old Picard again. I feel like everything else, like before that, I don't feel like he was fully himself. And then, then I'm like, yeah, this is the Picard I remember from Next Generation. He's back. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, man. I've I've been waiting for that that classic 
Picard speech, and, and this is this is very much it. Uh, and funny, you if you kind of do a little search, a Google search, they've already like made this one of the quintessential Picard quotes. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> like they're already this like a mountain of memes about it, and one of those inspirational quotes already. Wow. The future is left for us the right guys. Whose ship was that that followed them into the conduit? Nerit. That yeah. was Nerit's. That's who I thought. Yeah. I'm a, like, this is what I thought. Like in the last episode when she like like poisoned herself or whatever, I thought she was trying to kill herself. And I'm I'm like yeah, I, I have a feeling that whatever is inside of her is still inside of her, and now that she's conscious again, it's reactivated. So that was going to be my next thing. Like, if that's Narek, that means that he's still tracking him. I mean, I don't. It, it has to be him. I don't. I can't think of it being anybody else, unless it's seven. It might be seven or nine. Huh. Maybe I don't know. But I thought she was on the uh, board. Oh ship. yeah, they're still on the queue. Yeah, that's right. You know, Kara, I kind of agree with you, but the only caveat against that is why wasn't he using the cloak when he was following them before? He was. He was. Yeah, he was. He was cloaked. Okay, I didn't notice that. They just noticed they uh whatever I forget the word the the anomaly that cloak ships give off. The, uh, Rios kind of noticed it, but it was like Narek was hoping he was a little further out from their sensors, but somehow Rios noticed it. Yeah, I mean they they kind of explained what happened when she injected herself, but but I felt like they kind of glossed over it a little bit, like too quickly. Yeah. So I mean I don't know. I feel like it's Narek, but who knows. Well, she did. I mean, Commander O did say that. Well, didn't she say like it would be impossible to remove or unlikely to be removed? Yeah, she said something like that. And she chewed it, so it's not just like one piece. It's like yeah, I don't know, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And it's in her bloodstream, so like in order to get rid of it completely, she would have had to have a blood transfusion or yeah, send her out there a lock. That's what I say. <laughs> no, I like Dr. Gerard. I like her. I really do. <laughs> I like that she's inner conflict. Just, <laughs> she's, she's cool now. No oh, way yeah. away, <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap this up, a few honorable mentions. Rafi calls the record player a Walkman, which I thought was funny. And yeah. also Captain Marta Bantanaris is mentioned. She's Picard's fellow cadet seen in the episode Tapestry, i.e. the old... The, the lady that old Picard slept with in that flashback scene, uh, which you got, which Kyle hated. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I remember. <laughs> I, I didn't catch that. That's awesome. That is awesome. So when Narissa, when the Borg were attacking Narissa, to me, it seemed like she was transported away. She was. Is that? Yeah. She was transported away. She's the yeah. master of last minute transports, apparently. Hmm. Huh. I noticed that as well. And then they, they cut straight to a ship that was leaving. So, I, yeah, I'm right there with you. I didn't know if that was meant to be or because, you know, when I first watched it, I was kind of like, oh, they either ripped her apart or assimilated her or killed her. But then my second watch, I seen like that flash of light. So I was like, was she transported? So, yeah. OK, good. The cube is ours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I do have one like little bit of crazy theory that I'm still forming. Go for it. But I think either by the end of the series or maybe possibly in the next, it's going to end up being a, I guess, an explanation of a Borg origin story. Because there's just so much Borg flying around this series that I don't think they can avoid it at this point. 
Yeah, and I still think at some point they're going to tie the, all this in with control. I don't know how yet, but I feel like it's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe not for another season, but I, it, it's just right there laying in front of us. Like I, I think it would be cool to have a crossover episode or special or something, so we'll see. Hmm. Interesting stuff. All right. Well, uh, if nothing else, we'll go ahead and wrap up the episode. We'll go around the horn and see what everybody is working on or watching or listening to podcast later or otherwise. And we'll start with Jeremy. So actually, you'll all be happy to know that I finally started, I broke down, started watching uh, The Next Generation. Yeah, I started with season two. And the episode that really kind of caught my eye was besides the um, Sherlock, the Moriarty episode, which was really good, was the episode called Nigelium. Hmm. When they go, when they fly into this big void, and they meet this, the, I guess the creature of the void, and the picture of the creature comes on the the view screen, and that scared the ever loving hell out of me <laughs> to see this face. Looks like a bald monkey. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like I said, it was it was a good episode. It just scared the mess out of me. Interesting, interesting. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Oh God, is that the alien? <laughs> Yes. I couldn't remember. <laughs> I was looking at it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Bald that's, monkey. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, John, what about you, man? Uh, Man, not much, man. I've, I'm, a lot of working. A lot of working I've been doing. Uh, still going through Voyager again. So uh, maybe I'm looking for some ties in here. Hoping, hoping I get some more Borg info through Voyager. They kind of shed some light on what's going on um but i'm too too early into it but i'm enjoying it i'm starting to realize why voyager was such a good series uh, it's kind of a mix between you know ds9 was always so dark and dramatic and tng was always light and easy and this voyager is kind of a mix of both so i'm enjoying it man i'm, I'm going through it again for the fourth time i think so yeah yeah, man, a shout out to the the Voyager crew who were on a cruise recently. And there's a picture that popped up. I'll try to drop it in the show notes of them on the cruise. And it just gave me all type of feels and happiness. <laughs> I don't know if you guys seen that picture. I'll, I'll definitely get it to you guys, too. But it's it's just awesome. All right. Uh, Carrie, so what about you, man? Um, I don't have much. Um, I think there was a new Picard comic that came out recently. Um. I, I had it pulled up, but I lost it. Was and the also, Countdown series one through three? Oh no, I think it was something else that like just got announced. Uh, I'll have to I'll post it on the Facebook or something. But also, um, completely unrelated. But if you haven't watched Rise of Skywalker, I was like in in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it was great Star Wars movie. But if you're just looking for something entertaining to like entertain you for two hours, it's well worth it for that. It's a popcorn yeah, movie for yeah. me, but it's still very, very entertaining. So it's out on digital right now. Um, I think it'll be out on Blu-ray at the end of the month. They released it early. Um, I, I'm assuming because of the Corona, whatever, but it's out. Yeah, man, I have to agree, man. As far as just if you can put the minute changes or incomplete stories aside from the bridge from uh, eight to nine, just watch it and have fun because it's a yeah. fun movie. Yeah, My uh, middle child and I are still disagreeing on on if that movie's any good or not. Because it's he, entertaining, he, but in the grand scheme of Star Wars, I don't think it's very good. But if you just yeah. want something popcorn movie is what we used to call it. Download, download, watch, delete. 
Right. Take a additional reference. It's it's worth it. <laughs> All right, Cal Jones. What about you, man? All right, I'll make this really, really quick. Um, if you are a fan of comedy podcasts, specifically sci-fi comedy podcasts, check out the Oz9 podcast and specifically to keep listening to what is current, which is episode 35, because I was on it this week. So um, Oz9 podcast. Yeah, yeah. Y'all, everybody should go check it out. If you like my man, Cal Jones over here, go check out the Oz9 podcast where he is. Uh, well, I won't spoil it, but he he's, has a very prominent role. Um, and I had fun. And he had fun. You could tell it. It's, it's, it's a good, good, great episode, man. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. It, it was definitely one of those episodes. Like, what is going on here? Like, what? What happened to the real one? I mean, what did yeah. Kyle do? <laughs> I was specifically told not to tell you and Lee what I was doing. So I didn't. And I'm proud of myself. Ah, Good job, man. Good job. So is that by Shannon K. Perry? That is indeed. Okay. Adding it to my list. Yes. All right. And it's a comedy, comedy podcast. Yes. So comedy space sci-fi and it, podcast. And it gets really, really good around episode 13, 14, 15, 16. Just saying. It's All not right. my fault. All right. I guess we're ready to wrap things up here. Uh, again, check us out on all the social medias. Hit us up at fans at discussingtrick.com. And yeah, thanks for staying on, guys. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people, a woman on Earth and a man in space, struggling to remain connected, to help one another through life and death situations. Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos is the sound of each other's voices. Find out more at RelativityPodcast.com. Discussing that word. Ralphie, put the gun down.